You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Fans of podcast horror and Halloween, Friday, October 25th in Austin, Texas at the Nomad Bar at 1213 Corona Drive, we have got an event for you. Attack of the Pod People is an unprecedented party to celebrate the season, featuring members of oneofus.net, Double Toasted, The Night Owl, Horror Queers, Junk Food Cinema, Castle of Horror, Rage Select, Women in Caskets, and the Threequel Club, all performing onstage tributes to the season. All that, and you can get up and sing with Karaoke Underground, or compete in our costume contest with prizes. RSVP is required for entry, so look our event up on Facebook or Eventbrite, and join us. One of us.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to one of us.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. about time for a new digital noise whoop, whoop. i'm joined here by my main man aaron hello how are you doing i'm good and i'm holding a uh, glass of clear bourbon which is quite nice yeah martin brought over this weird uh whiskey called still house it's like in a paint thinner type can but it's a high-end whiskey and it's clear and i didn't even know that was a thing and it will fuck you up in the best of ways uh, presumably i guess no guarantees. Yeah, no guarantees. Um, but you seem but to be doing. Yeah, there's totally. It's yeah, it's true. There's ketamine in it, so it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, Aaron and I haven't been able to do this for a while because there was a whole series of things one after another going on. There was yeah, like Fantastic Fest, and then I had to go to Denver for a wedding. And, then and I was out visiting family just because it's my sister, my stepsister-in-law's fortieth birthday. There we go. There we go. I got it right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, I know it's hard to keep track sometimes. <laughs> yeah, if, like someone was asking me, so whose wedding are you going to? I'm like, uh... Families. Families. <laughs> I know now. <laughs> Just took me a minute before. Anyway, so we have a bunch of Blu-rays and DVDs to talk about and 4Ks. And let's get started with the really just shelling for an extra dollar re-release of Mean Girls on Blu-ray. Because as much as I really enjoy the film Mean Girls, this is a... The only difference between this and any other previous release of it is, A, it says on it 15th anniversary, and B, the case is pink. And yeah. other than that, they didn't even bother to include, in, include a digital code for the damn thing. Yeah, like, it, it's Mean Girls, man. It's a good movie. It's better than it has any right to be. It, it is a legitimate classic of my era. Sure. Of my age bracket. But it's also like, if you like it, you've seen it, you probably own it. If not. Right. This is not, this is only if you don't already have it. Like, yeah. a, and there's no other reason to pick up this new version of it. I always say, and I, I like Mean Girls. I've never been completely 100% in love with it, but there are moments that are iconic as fuck. Like, I, the whole fetch is not going to happen. Oh, see, for me, it's... Which uh, even Obama tweeted at one point. I just have a lot of emotions. <laughs> but, there's a lot of me really memorable lines, but I always say, uh, Mean Girls is Heather's divided by Clueless. Well, and it's... <laughs> fuck. 
Okay, that, you're right. Is that dead there you on? Go. Or okay, what? you got it. <laughs> it's also maybe uh, Tim Meadows and Tina Fey's my favorite performances of theirs. They're both great in, in the this. movie. And Tina Fey wrote this. Yeah, based on uh, based on both a book. Queen Bees and Wannabes that came out in 2002, which was a nonfiction self-help book, and then her own experiences at going to high school. Yeah. And it did end up being funny, and this is the last watchable Lindsay Lohan film. Yes, it was. It uh, was, it was her, her shining beacon before she fizzled out. Yeah, she, well, I'd say imploded. Yeah, imploded. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to be more nice. accurate. <laughs> but it was certainly a big thing, and after this movie, she had had a, a bunch of, like, four younger viewers hits, and this was the one where everybody was like wow that was great and she was great in it and it was like she's poised on the verge of being this huge star and she is she's great in this movie she's totally sexy as hell she's very convincing as you don't think she's sexy i i can't call her sexy because i can't not see her as a high school student. she was like 20 i know that i know that she's the only one i have that with everyone else because like uh it has Rachel McAdams in yeah, it. Who is still one of the sexiest Regina people on George, the planet. Regina George, who is yeah. one of the most beautiful women in the world, and is great as Vicky, an evil bitch. Weirdly, because she was cast because of how nice she is in yeah. real life. I was going to say she's a sweetheart yeah. from all I hear. She's famous for being like so sweet; it makes other people like feel like she's got to be faking it, right? Because no one's that nice. And, and the director cast her because no one plays an evil bitch better than someone who is totally the opposite of that. And this also has the actress who is going to be in the new season of. Uh, Castle Rock, whose name Lizzie uh, Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. Who before she got really big, I want to say, because I think she was in this and then disappeared for a bit and then exploded with the True Blood and has kind of been acting ever since. Yeah, she's been in a lot of high profile things. I really liked her in uh, uh, Masters of Sex on Showtime, which is excellent, and she's was, so good in it. Amanda who, Seyfried, who turned into a huge star, who, uh, who has ESPN in her left boob. What she had. Oh, she, right, she can tell right. what the weather is by right. squeezing her left boob. Uh, Lacey, did you watch the movie, Chris? I did, I did. Lacey Chabert, who, who was of them, the one who didn't go quite as big. But she's had a lot of, like, like roles since then. Yeah. Um, but Loian really did seem poised to be the next huge thing. And it just never really happened because then Emma Stone stepped in, picked up well, that ring, and, and, and went, ran happened, And then, unfortunately, she had personal issues that overshadowed her career. But I, I do think this is genuinely a very funny movie, even though I'm always like, it's kind of Heather's light. It's like Heather's, it's not willing to go all the way there. Well, if you're you like know? me who has not, God, really? If yeah. you're like me who has not seen Heather's, this oh, is legit. You need to Track watch Heather's. Down. I know, I know, I know. Fuck me gently but, with a chainsaw, yes. Aaron. But Mean Girls is good. Watch it. If you already own it, you don't need to buy it again. If you don't own it, what the fuck, man? Get out and buy this movie. It's good. It is. It's it's a, I would agree, especially for, for your generation more than mine. It yes. was an all-time classic. My generation was like, that was good. It's not as good as Heather's, but it's still pretty damn good. Well, what? I'm sorry that we have taste. <laughs> How do you know? You haven't seen Heather's. <laughs> uh, there are the same uh, extra features that were on the previous one. So there's a halfway decent little amount of extra features here, yeah. but it's nothing is new or different. Uh, so the next one, I don't know if you watched, but I, I did want to go ahead and throw it in there, which is Veronica Mars season four, which they- not- have put out now on on blu-ray uh kristen bell who is i think i've been more than a little clear over my time of doing this is one of my favorite comedic actresses in the world i agree wholeheartedly and is just charming she's and she's sweetheart. and she's gorgeous in that sort of marianne on, on gilligan's island sort of way yeah, she, where you're like she's gorgeous in the way like she's so hot but i kind of think of her as more like a sister yeah you know yeah. that kind of thing yeah. and uh created by austin's own rob thomas 
who's, who's from here. In fact, there's some a few very well-known Austinites who have cameo appearances in well, this. Now I need, so I already needed to watch this, but now I'll have to watch it. So the here. odd confusing thing, though, is because the first three seasons were on regular, uh, uh, on, I can't remember what it was. Was it Fox uh, or something? WB, um, I thought. Yeah, no, or was it UPN? I don't one of them. Anyway, it was on network, and then it got canceled, and then they did a movie that was fan-funded, and then they did Hulu, said we're creating a whole new continuing series. So there are definitely more seasons coming out after this. But they made it very confusing because it's being listed as Veronica Mars season one on the package, yeah. which is bizarre. Why? I mean, they didn't even change the name of the If they had said Veronica Mars colon something, and so it's a new show. I'm sure. slightly better that it's not a show about her being in the FBI. Um... I think everyone was really expecting that, and I think there was a point that that was what they were going for, but I think one thing they learned from that third season is, this show doesn't work with her not in this town. Yeah. She has to be in this town. And I think that this, and I like the movie, but I get that it was largely fan service. This movie takes what worked out of that, this movie, the series takes what works out of that and manages to, like, insert that stuff in, take a lot of the stuff that didn't work out. Uh, It's not perfect, I have some issues with the actual, the actual plot stuff and the you know the solution to the crime that's going on, which is a mad bomber in their town. But it doesn't really matter because it's so charming watching these characters all back, and they do a great job, and it's really funny, and they're all really likable, and it evolves the plot and the characters and where they are in the world, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. All I can say is the gaggle of ladies who are who I know who adore the show all thought it was really good, if a little bit intense. <laughs> wow okay fair i think the only extra on here is their comic-con uh presentation about okay. it but uh so it's one of those again like this is streaming on hulu why are they releasing a home release because veronica mars heads like me tend to be like super like into collecting every last thing i, I was with my friend baz today at a, at a goodwill and a half price books and i found at the goodwill for like a dollar the veronica mars like novel that rob uh wrote that takes place between the movie and the season oh and i was god, like oh my god i can't i'm so excited i found this well like, like they all do that because dc universe does that netflix does that and every time they release their their tentpole shows on blu-ray or dvd they're always bare bones releases it's just like i think it's just the this is for people who heard all the talk but don't pay nine dollars a month for the service so you can catch up on it and watch what your friends are talking about yeah i suppose which so. more power to you i can't wait to watch veronica mars it's quite good um another supergirl is supergirl <laughs> and the fourth season is out for that uh and for a while i'm sorry to our suppliers who send me the stuff we this one just got pushed back because of all the wb shows that they sent me it was the only one i hadn't actually watched yet so i had to oh shit there's like 20 something episodes correct me if i'm wrong this is the one that deals with racism right this is the one that is totally the the anti-trump season okay where it's like you know how trump is like we don't want any illegal aliens in this country and this supergirl is like we don't want any illegal aliens in this country only they mean actual aliens from outer space and it's very 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 on the nose about it but I gotta hand it to them. They actually made it work. I, I made it... So, this is one of the shows that was an unfortunate sacrifice of me abandoning the CW Berlantiverse. I was actually enjoying this show for the most part. I mean, about halfway through, I th- I thought it did a really good job once it started getting into both some of the motivations of their alt-right stand-in who are anti-aliens... Uh, watching their descent into hatred from mild annoyance, 
and also showing the challenges of trying to be reasonable and accommodating to that type of hate. Mm-hmm. But they did a, it was a really interesting turn with what they did with Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Um, Agent Liberty being yeah. the, the, the recognizable character who's kind of the person who comes in as the villain in that part of the story. And that stuff, I do genuinely find it interesting. Where the season takes off isn't until about the halfway point when they finally introduce Lex Luthor uh, with John Cryer really nailing it. You told me playing. I quit right before it got really good. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, and the whole run with, with Lex in here is terrific, where he's got this whole really smart Lex Luthor long con, and it's fun. Um, I, I had a really good time with that. Now, it's once again, these CW shows... They're starting to fall off, and I think it's because no one wants the 20-something episodes a season anymore, and people are like, this is a lot of fucking episodes to sit there with all the great TV. If they're going to save the CW shows, they need to cut them down to like 11 or 12 a season. Uh, Agreed. That that is explicitly why I dropped off the show, because the quality for the content that I have to get through... Is just not worthwhile. It's it's a hard watch, even no matter how good they are with that many episodes, because you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is a lot of stuff to sit through for one season. And it means there's lots of filler. And there is. There's lots of filler. Are we slowly becoming Britain with our television? Are we just going to adopt the six and eight episode season Yeah, but Well, but they have gone down to where it's like, here's the next season. It's two episodes. You're like, that's not a season. That's a movie. It's four years after the last one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or or 17. They're making like a new Black Adder season now they're, you're they're like making, what the fuck they're making a new red dwarf uh, are they really yeah. of course of course they are that's just you're like so you got no rules basically yeah, no, is what no. you're saying <laughs> it's like here's i one day they're just gonna be like here's the new season of this and there's nothing there and you're like what it's the new season you didn't do any episodes well it's still the new season i, I think they just they just do whatever they want whenever they feel like it and i'm, I'm okay with that i'm all right with that uh there's not really this is one of the most embarrassingly bare bones years for cw bonus features they've never been fantastic but this one literally just copies the ones from the arrow set that previously oh, came out lame. yeah they, they need to have a, a an interesting package on the supergirl character herself yeah give us some info from the comics I mean, talk about her adaptation into the television show like the the comic-con panels one it was they were all i guess on the same panel so they just copied that there's the same uh, like crossover uh, special feature because it's uh, the Elseworlds, which is basically the whole thing is just a precursor to the big one coming up this year, the Crisis yeah. on Infinite Earths. Uh, and then there's a thing about villains that is literally exactly the same one. Uh, other than that, there's deleted scenes in a gag reel, but there's nothing here that well, that's like, okay. makes it worth owning. Because Arrow's not good, so nobody watched it there anyways. But you know what is good for superhero television? <laughs> you what? I think you know that we're talking about this week. What superhero show is maybe one of the best seasons of a superhero show that has yet been released? Oh, God, I don't know. I've watched a lot over the last two weeks. Doom Patrol! Oh, shit! Yes! Yes! Doom Patrol. The only reason this wasn't the best season of superhero television this year is because The Boys came out. I prefer this to The Boys, And even that is like six and one half dozen of another. I legitimately enjoy The Boys, and I think it's a great example of taking a pardon anyone who feels differently but a garbage comic and turning it into a really great television show that's insightful but doom patrol is maybe perfect Mm. uh it's i even hesitate to call it a superhero show i've been trying to pitch this to a few people and like it yes it is a show about people who have superpowers and like that is intrinsic in the story itself but it's really a show about dealing with dysfunction on a emotional level because so 
basically to kind of give the 30 second version of the plot for those who don't know because it's a dc universe show and yeah and a it's lot on of people may not have seen it's it. one from their streaming network yeah. not from cw yeah n- not not the dc universe in quotes but the actual network yeah so basically it follows a professor exec a professor x equivalent who has gathered uh five people a robot who was once a race car driver without a body who can't feel played by Brendan Fraser, a gay pilot who uh, had an alien entity involved in him in the fifties and has never quite gotten over with it. And whose skin is burned whose beyond skin is burned beyond belief. An actress. From that was by the, the way, Matt Bomer, I should yep. say playing that role. And did we say he was playing the robot? Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then an actress also from the fifties who lost the ability to maintain herself. So if she loses focus for even a moment, she basically turns into the blob not not yeah. like the blob from the x-men but the blob yeah she has like no molecular cohesion anymore yeah. so she just starts dripping basically cyborg comes in towards the middle and then my personal favorite character is uh a girl or a woman who has 64 different personalities inside of her she has split personality disorder and every single personality has its own independent superpower yeah which crazy jane everybody loves her it sounds like a great setup for a superhero show but they spend the entire series going we are not heroes we are people and it's really just about them trying to deal with their own dysfunction there's even an episode partway through where they stop and go, you know what? We've gone through some fucked up shit lately. We need to have a group therapy session. And they all sit down and talk through their emotions. And it was perfect. Yeah. They, I love the show. This is like, so this comic book, when it originally came out in DC, came out like a month before the X-Men did. Even though it's always been treated as kind of like the generic store brand version of the X-Men. But then years and years later, Grant Morrison, who is a completely insane genius madman, yes. got a hold of this On acid, comic. God. That, yeah, well, he's said as much many <laughs> okay, times. Um, that he got like, what can I grab from you? You that your characters you don't care about, and DC's like, you're, you're gonna have these guys. I mean, I guess it could have been like Champions of the Unknown or whatever. But <laughs> he got Doom Patrol, and he made it into one of the best, most brilliant DC comics of this period. I mean, I read them fanatically. I think I still have all of them, and and, I- and bagged and boarded. And they were so insane. Like, just like, what in the fuck? Like, the villain in one of the Mr. Nobody, who here they brilliantly got Alan Tudyk to play, at one point has decided his, like, the, the world's problem is that it's just not psychedelic enough. And everyone needs to drop acid. So he's kind of like a 60s throwback guy. He's like, if everybody just took acid, the world would be great. So he gets a hold of a school bus and makes it so it's powered by Dr. Albert Hoffman's bicycle that was the bike that he rode for the first ever acid trip. So the guy who accidentally created LSD and then took like a gigantic mega dose of it, not knowing what it was and took the world's first acid trip on his way home, biking home the first time anyone ever had tripped. And so he had that bike. And so everywhere he went with the bus was making anyone around it trip on acid. And I was like, that's the type of comic book from the fucking like eighties that this guy was writing. They transfer this character and this type of shit, even though not exactly what happens in the book, the general gist of it, into a show that is just as batshit insane and brilliant as the comic, he, and yet you understand what's happening. Oh yeah, it, it's like I was <laughs> the friend I was trying to explain it to. She was like, "It sounds kind of dumb, goofy," and I was like, "Well, I mean, 
like yeah it is it's just brilliant too yeah no totally agree like, like, uh, and he the thing to call out mr nobody breaks the fourth wall constantly mm. even shows up at one point in one of the penultimate episodes and is like did you really think there was going to be a big superhero battle yeah like come on he's kind of like an anti-deadpool i i will say i i had one small complaint and it's that because the show is so kooky i did not realize until the second to last episode that mr nobody and the cockroach who is played by um uh bob odeker i think uh is are different characters (laughs) i thought it was mr nobody until that second to last episode when they start playing off of each other and the other big villain by the way is a vengeful rat yeah, well, there's several, because the rat and the cockroach, both are, like, they were villains in the comic book, but here they're kind of, like, they're more, like, teases for villainousness in the future of the yeah. show than anything else. I mean, there's a whole thing with Nazi scientists yep. that's in this as well, who are trying to develop superpowers on their own. But there's, there's also the, a Cthulhu-esque old one who yeah. tries to end the world. And they introduce a lot of characters I thought there's no way they're going to get to in the first season because they're just too insane. Like, you think you want to ease people into the insanity of this world, no. but no. they There's a whole episode in, like, halfway through the season about Danny the Street, who is a sentient... Uh, transgender street that hey, hey, teleports. Hey, gender queer. Gender queer. Well, I thought I thought uh, transgender I, was okay. It, it is. It is. I don't uh, know. Maybe it, I'm wrong. I only said that because they specifically called him out as gender queer. They did. And and to that credit, I legitimately cared about Danny the Street. Danny the Towards street. the end, I got emotional. About and in the, the comic books, you love Danny the Street. Danny communicates by like you know a. A television that's in a storefront will say a message on yeah. it, or a newspaper will flutter down in front or, of you with a message. Or, or there's the, the Flex Mentality flex shows Mentala. up towards the end, who is a guy in tiger shorts who can flex different muscles to achieve things. Yeah. To which, at one point, he tries to warp them into an alternate dimension and accidentally gives everyone an orgasm. Yeah. And, like, it, it sounds absurd, but... It is also, absurd. It's also deeply emotional and deeply involving you really come to care for these characters i cannot wait for, for the season second two? season oh yeah and i'm so glad they renewed it because i think everybody was a little scared they weren't going yeah. to and they immediately and you did. know what even if they didn't this is still like a season of perfect television i i agree uh there are eight minutes and 15 seconds of deleted scenes in the blu-ray there's a four and a half minute uh gag reel that it, the weirdest thing it's censored <laughs> The show is decidedly not censored. Tons of fucks. They say motherfucker, cocksucker, nudity all the time. The gag reel is censored, which I'm like, is that supposed to be a joke? Because it's just annoying. Maybe. And then there's a weird PSA for Come Visit Georgia that obviously was a a contractual obligation for part of their (laughs) tax cut, which is far from the only thing I've seen practically the exact same thing on on something that was filmed in Georgia. You're like, okay, I'm starting to see a, a pattern here. Well, let's move on to another superhero thing. We had a whole bunch this time, which yeah. is the collection of and re-release the Death and Return of Superman, now available in 4K. Yeah, uh, which is the the combination of the Death of Superman and the Reign of the Superman. Which you and I both have talked about those two movies together. So. We have <sighs> because Golson's like, don't give me any more of these. Well, animated so superhero like, movies. and I in the past couple of recordings was the one who was like, no, these are good. I liked them. Uh, I feel differently now. You did you rewatch them? I did. Okay, I, I re- rewatched the double feature. And, I feel like I liked the first one. Uh, 
you did. You really didn't like Reign of Superman. I did not like Reign um, of Superman. And I actually enjoyed Reign of Superman. However, watching them together, it highlights how good of a two-hour-long first act, Superman Doomsday or whatever the actual title yeah. is, Death of Superman, Death Superman is, and it also highlights how bad of a remainder of a movie Reign of Superman is. Like, I, I, I enjoy it on its own, where you can separate it with some time and have your own response to it, but watching it right after Death of Superman, which is basically one long emotional build up to a big action scene mm. is a big letdown. And you know, I mean, I just, I'm not going to say too much about the actual movies cause we've reviewed both yeah. of these already on here, but I will say, uh, if you are not familiar at all, this is based on the very famous death of Superman run in the comics. That was a brazen attempt to sell more comics, Yes, <laughs> uh, which I guess it's a business. Of course which, they want to sell more comics. Which we all knew wasn't going to stick from the moment they announced So it. you ask, but I already saw those others. Why would I get this one? Well, first off, once again, it is in 4K. Uh, second, less space on your shelf, yeah. which is always nice. Mm-hmm. If you're a collector like me, that, that is comes at a premium. Third, if you get this in the limited edition gift set, which has a really cool little mini figure of steel, where which I was like, ooh, cool. nice. But the other thing is there is one extra featurette, which is Long Live Superman, which is really, really worth watching. It's like 45 minutes long, and it's a story from the creation to to modern day of Superman and why people think it's essential for the stories that they've told along the years and uh, to be told in terms of socially what people need to hear well, so it's a very it's much like that thing that's been in marvel comics for a while now where they show that that image of the stan soapbox from the <laughs> 60s where he's like guess what social relevance anti-racism anti-fascism proving yes comics have always been deeply political and socio-political this is basically them dc doing the same thing but with superman superman is an immigrant story until americans suddenly decide to stop being racist assholes it is going to be relevant and political and important it's uh, why we love superman agreed if you like him for other reasons then i don't you're wrong then you're like then you you're a nazi and just believing in the the uber munch yes you're that's all you're taking from this (laughs) i don't know what to tell you (laughs) i'm not going to continue because i'll just rant yeah but uh the previous features are here um yeah it's fine i mean like if you if you haven't seen these and you did plan on picking them up this is the way to pick them up yeah I, i don't even know if i'd say that but just i preferred them apart the documentary was great just stop and walk away for an hour if you're going to watch them together, I think. Well, staying with heroes, but in this case not superheroes, is the Criterion re-release of 1983's Scottish comedy drama film by Bill Forsyth, Local Hero. Yeah. Which, once again, no, not an actual superhero movie. This isn't that one with John no, no, no. John Ritter. Uh, yeah. it, it is... Uh, God, what was I trying to... I blanked on how I described it to my wife, which fit. Fun fact, this movie begins in Houston, and they actually shot in Houston. It was... Uh, being from there myself, it was fun to recognize the skyline. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you thought about this because my wife absolutely did not like it. Mm. And I thoroughly kind of enjoyed it. Uh, it tells the story of an oil company that is basically trying to buy out a strip of land or an entire island. Yeah, in Scotland. Yeah. Off of Scotland. Um, <laughs> and so they send uh, an actor whose name I can't remember. but uh, who Peter you, Riegert. Peter Riegert. You immediately recognize, even though he's very baby-faced in this. I mean, if you've seen Animal House, yeah. you know who he is. So he goes out there to basically close the deal. And it's a relatively typical movie in that 
it's the wealthy, high-speed businessman meets small-town life and slowly but surely kind of falls in love with the simplicity of it. Uh, what makes it kind of unique is that he's not the bad guy. The All of the people on the island desperately want to sell. Yeah. Like, as soon as he shows up, they're like fucking great okay how can we get more money from you guys because we want to leave well the only thing Eddie, all you think is going to turn into something negative and never does is the whole well apparently a lot of people on the island think it's for an oceanography institute and it's not it's for oil but this never is an issue well like the the movie isn't even really concerned with the deal because there's a lot of scenes where they discuss it and they they kind of tertiarily bounce around the deal that they're developing as he works with the only realtor who is also a restaurant owner who is also a vet i think and also runs the local hotel to to go talk to all the residents and get their signatures as they buy each plot of land but like there's never any drama about that it's it almost feels like a terrence malick movie in that it's just taking its time and it's meandering getting into the pace of life but i found it far more intriguing and investing than a terrence malick film it's because at the same time that he also has this really kooky boss who's burt lancaster yeah (laughs) who has a great bit with a i think employee who he's hired to trash mouth them and the movie progressively their relationship breaks up and the employee never quite gets it but he's also obsessed with the appearance of a comet over virgo yeah he's big into astrology or something it's weird but it's kind of special weird i thoroughly ended up enjoying this movie so i am not a huge fan of this movie and i remember i saw it when i when it came out and liked it then and for whatever reason it did not translate for me now and i think part of it is a lot of things you mentioned i'm just like what does that have to do with anything? Well, so, it's so out of no, left field, like not fitting in with the rest of the movie. I'm like, why is this here? So uh, when it ended, my wife turned to me and just went, I don't really know what that meant. Right. <laughs> uh, I think what I do like is there's a certain charm to the fact that you constantly wait are waiting for the other shoe to drop in like, this is going to at least to some degree get negative or dark and it never does. Everyone is kind of nice and charming and happy and sweet. Um, Peter Capaldi, who is like, I think was like 24 or something when this came out, it looks like a fucking baby. And he's like the local guy who's working with yeah. the, the main guy to like help him facilitate the deal. And he's kind of a riot and he's horny for the local oceanographer played by the gorgeous at the time, Jenny Seagrove. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just that all these stories, they never really feel like they organically build to any place like that makes sense. I was just like, this is almost like a fly on the wall stuff that outside of a certain amount of small English town charm didn't really fit together. Like I said, those offhand parts, those wacky stuff with Lancaster was like, okay. And eventually Lancaster comes to the town and you expect, Oh, this is the part where he ends up getting to play the heavy, but he doesn't, he comes in. He's like, you're right. This place is great. I love these people. I, I, I have to admit, as soon as that happened, like about halfway through the movie, I sat back and went, okay, well, the way they're building, there's only one possible way there's even remotely a happy end to this movie. And and it's exactly what happens. Like it, it, it feels like a tone poem on the ugly beauty of small island Scotland. Mm-hmm. And 
Like, if that sounds like your cup of tea, check it out. I liked it. I don't know how many times I'll watch this movie ever again, but I enjoyed it the time I saw it. A bunch of people do definitely love this film. It is it is highly regarded in many circles, but it's also not across the board thought yeah. of as great either. It is a one of those movies, light comedies, that may be totally your cup of tea, or it may not. It is an acquired taste at best. Uh, but this is Criterion, so you get a new video interview with the director for 17 minutes. There's a vintage documentary for 53 minutes with the cinematographer. Uh, there's a episode of the South Bank show where Forsyth and the producer David Putnam talk about conceiving of and producing this that came out on t- British television in 1983 for 53 minutes. There's the making of Lo- Local Hero, another archival program pr- made for Scottish television in 83 for 53 minutes, including a lot of bat- uh, raw footage from the shooting of the film. There's I thought maybe I'd get to meet Alan Wicker, which is an archival program <laughs> with Bill Forsyth, who remembers his own career, how he got started and how that the actual success of Local Hero at the time really helped him a lot. Uh, there's a commentary which was recently made with Forsyth and critic Mark Kermode, and then there's an illustrated leaflet in here. So it is a solid Criterion package. It's just oh, the it's movies. Nice. Your results may vary. It's okay. Next up, we were talking about a movie that literally we just talked about. This movie on a Criterion release of the same film, like I think less than a year ago on the show, which is Pan's Labyrinth. The only difference now is this is now instead of Criterion, this is the the actual the the company that produced it in America distributed in America releasing their 4K release of the film and you're like okay so that's cool i mean pan's labyrinth is definitely a movie worth owning on 4K but that being said criterion puts so much work and effort into upgrading their stuff even though theirs is just blu-ray like it's pretty amazing upgrade is this in fact if audio and visual is your only concern is this well worth is this worth picking up? Which and, I, I want to hear because uh, I don't have a 4K player. No, the answer is actually yes. Okay. Um, I, it's not a, a, a startling difference, but it is definitely a better transfer. The, there's You're not going to have any complaints about the Criterion Blu-ray. Up. No, it's I mean, Criterion. It's it, beautiful. It looks tremendous, but there is no question that this is, you know, pound for pound, the best version that's been released on that level. Um, but you also get different extra features because the Criterion have produced four Criterion yeah, yeah, extra features. And this is the ones, basically the exact same ones that came out on the previous Blu-ray release of this film, which also was not that long ago. Like, um, and the Blu-ray version is in- included in this. This is a, a two disc keep case, uh, keep case with brand new cover artist and a matching slip cover. And of course, you know, the one thing that for sure the Criterion version didn't come with digital copy which is always nice I'm like I, there's there's other versions out here but like ultimately this is still my favorite del toro movie this yeah. is still one of my top five favorite movies of all time it's amazing i adore this movie it's just shy of perfect it's del toro at like it's like that culmination of everything that he was building up to and it's his magnum opus yeah. it's everything firing perfectly if this is my favorite movie of the week. I'm not going to say it's my pick of the week, but oh my God, it's such a perfect film. It really is. You need to see it. Watch um, it. Buy some version of it, please. If you've not seen it. If you have it. a 4K player, buy this version. And buy the Criterion, because Criterion are awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, if I had to choose between them, I would choose the Criterion one, because although the 4K is a better transfer, like I said, there's literally nothing you're going to complain about about the 4K. And I watched it on my new TV, and I was like, this looks amazing on that. Uh, the the Blu-ray version. I was like, it looks incredible. 
it's just the extras are better on the yeah, Criterion yeah. one. So, I mean, I uh, we're not going to go deeply into the description because we literally just reviewed this yeah, thing. Just, just go watch it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. It's uh, magical realism. It's dark. It is not a family film, despite no, what you I, might think. I actually... So, when... This is my little quick story, and then we can move on. Uh, this came out at the same time of, as Children of Men, uh-huh. and it was around Christmas time, and we were going to go see a Christmas movie, my family, my wife's family, and her, before we got married, and it was between this or Children of Men. And they went, well, it's Christmas, so we want to see the happier movie. And we are like, okay, we'll go see Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> and when we walked out of the theater, my dad turned and went, what the fuck, Aaron? I, do- I said the happy movie. I said no. You said the happier one, and humanity still exists in this movie. And you're like, it's the happier I don't know about one. you, but I'm happy. <laughs> uh, so next up, we have the gangster, the cop, and the devil. This is the new South Korean, somewhat by the numbers plot wise uh, movie. Because let's face it, in Asian cop cinema, there's about ten thousand of them that are about a gangster and a cop that are forced to work together yeah. for some reason. No question. And this is another one of those, only it's got a kind of neat new thing I've not seen before, which is they're there because they both are connected in the hunt for a uh, prolific serial killer. And they both have their own reasons to to be want to be the one to catch this guy. And the guy who is playing uh, the gangster is a really beloved South Korean actor, Ma Dong Seok, who apparently just signed to play the exact same role in a new version of American version of this film with Sylvester God, Stallone yeah. playing the cop. You know, like, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Maybe they'll have an ending to the movie. Um, <laughs> and he was also really good in Train to Busan. He yeah. was the. He's terrific. Yeah. He is an actor who I'm now going to start tracking and watching when he comes out of movies. Oh, yeah. And like the the serial killer was interesting. The plot itself is kind of you're right, paint by the numbers, but nevertheless engrossing as you watch the two start to figure out that that the actually let me back up. So the story is <laughs> there is a serial killer who his methodology is he rear ends you and then just guts you with a knife when you get out to talk to the person who accidentally hit you and he pulls this shit on the aforementioned actor we're talking about and doesn't successfully kill him yeah because because the guy's a badass badass. (laughs) and so about a third of the movie is spent with the characters just actually finding out that a he was actually attacked because he's the leader of the south korean mafia and doesn't want to reveal that anybody beat him in a fight let alone stab the shit out of them and also going like, Oh, like you, you actually survived the serial killer. Like this wasn't just a random assassin or anything. This right. is legit. And then it's them starting to work together as the two take turns, betraying each other in a couple of turns that admittedly I got confused by towards the it third got, act. In the third <laughs> act, it gets a little confusing at points. There were a couple of times where it was like, ha ha. I was like, what? What happened? What I, yeah, did I, I miss I don't understand. But I think that what also starts happening in the third act is this starts accelerating real fast yes. into some pretty cool action sequences. It does. Really well shot stuff. Neat ideas that are being thrown in, but maybe a little too fast and not enough time spent on them. And, then it's, it, and oh, then it just ends. I was going to say, it doesn't end. Yeah. It like... 
It's a sequel setup that yeah. if they don't make a part two, I'm going to be pissed. Because you know what? With a part two, this could be a legitimately good movie. But as it is, it annoyed the shit out of me. I found it more like, okay, well, I enjoyed watching that for what it's worth. And I felt like I got enough of an ending. Yeah, okay. You know, I, I, whatever. I, your results <laughs> may vary. But um, I love Ma, Ma Dong Siok. I think he, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly at all. It might be pronounced Fred for all I know. Yeah, but it's, um, it's believable. Yeah. But he's, he's fantastic in everything we see him in. He's fantastic in this. If anything, this suffers because the cop doesn't have half the charisma no. that he does. Like, if you're into decent to good action films and you don't mind a movie, an ending that is at the minimum frustrating like check this out you might actually get a lot of a uh, road out of it i am excited now for the american remake because uh, for all the negatives of hollywood we at least for the most part demand a bow wrapped around a present and so we at least know we'll come to a decent satisfactory just, conclusion you already <laughs> see in my mind the whole what are you doing? What did you say? And that's Sylvester Stallone talking. Yes, yes. Not, not the Korean guy. Yeah. He probably speaks flawless English. It's, it's Stallone. Who, who knows? He's, as the older he gets, the more he slurs. I'm I like, liked his fourth Rambo movie, but that's about it. Yeah, And like, oh boy, man, we reviewed that with John Golson, and John Golson does not like that movie. It and was... even I was like on a second watch, like, yeah, this time I had some problems with it I never thought about before. Oh, it's problematic as shit, man. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> More so than in some way, because the third one is not just problematic, it's actively racist. Yeah. But who gives a shit? It's a piece of garbage, and even Rambo fans acknowledge that. Rambo 2 is just a big, dumb, pro-American fantasy that's problematic, once again, just doesn't even come close to, to covering to it. But it's absurd. Over Rambo 1, though. But Rambo 1's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The 4, though, is that we're really genuinely trying to make a both a good movie, or at least somebody said today on, on our All of Us Network, I'm going to start the new term, a... Uh, 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 what is it like a heightened B movie? Yes, I saw that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, this is what they were trying yeah. to do with Rambo. Yeah, and uh, it didn't really work. If you but. want to know how good the movie is that we're talking about, we're now talking about the Rambo franchise. Yeah, well. <laughs> and for this next one, we're going to go all the way back to the far flung year of 1980 with a slasher film that apparently. Some guy that Arrow dug up, <laughs> like literally, apparently there's one guy who is, because we've been talking about a lot of like slat, like these bad 80s slashers lately that were super obscure that Arrow's been putting out. And some of them are really fun bad and some of them are just bad bad. But apparently there's some dude they found who is like all about super obscure slasher movies. And this is one of his discoveries, yep. The Prey. And it has widely been thought, even by your, you know, mid-range slasher movie fans as not good, because it's not good. It's not. (laughs) But it is spectacularly not good in a way that almost makes it worthwhile. It's by like this. Does it though? It's this couple who made this, Edwin Brown and his wife, uh, Summer. And they previously were making low-budget porn films, and they were like, let's go into legitimate movies. And, like, all they know how to do is film, like, a nature documentary, I guess, because half the shots are just of, like, birds hopping on branches and look at those mountains in the distance. So so on the movie, on the disc, there's three different versions of this movie. There's the original cut, there's the international cut, and there's the combined cut. Well, it's not the international cut, it's the fan cut. No, no. No, no. There is the international cut, which is 
Uh, oh, you're just, right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I googled this shit. Yeah, fair. Because fair. I sat there and was like, wait a minute, I need to figure out which version is which. And so, uh, the original cut is the actual director's cut. It's shorter. And then the international cut, the producers went in and shot an extra 20 minutes. Years later. Of background footage of, like, like a flashback, basically. Threw in a bunch of tits and called it a finished product. Yeah. Um, and then the fan cut, which combines the two, which Chris braved. I watched the theatrical cut because it was the director's cut. And everyone went, no, the international cut sucks. Uh, it just sucks. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. So, it's, it is one of those movies that is like, I almost say you should be watching the, the, the international cut or the, the uh, combined cut because the gypsy stuff, which is the, sorry, I know it's an offensive term, but that's what they use in the movie, is that they add the gypsy background story is so startlingly, ridiculously bad and clearly shows the softcore porn roots of the creators here. <laughs> even and though, just rapey as hell. Even though they just, didn't shoot it, though. No, they did not shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, but it feels, well, no, it's the producers. Yeah. And those are the producers. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, All right, my bad. Yeah. Um, it's, look, it's a bunch of teenagers and you know young 20 somethings in the woods who are very attractive or varying yeah. levels it's 1980 so it, attractive it, your mileage may vary once again friday the 13th without a cool killer yeah you know like, like with a boring killer fuck off i like that series um i, I didn't say anything and, no fucking halloween <laughs> mixed with a fair amount of stock footage which is not stock footage uh apparently everyone got pissed off at the time that there's just random cuts to animals and yeah. spiders. Oh, it's nonstop. And yeah, like throughout the entire film. And they were like, what the hell is this to pad out the movie? No, the directors fancied themselves a Terrence Malick before Terrence Malick existed. And they made this, which is Terrence Malick's horror movie. It is not good. But if you're curious, it's worth watching because, oh my God, it is so random when they just, like mid-dialogue scene cut to a spider walking across a wood. Yeah. Or, or or the guy who's the forest scene. ranger who they randomly quit, go to him playing the banjo for like a couple minutes yeah. that is nothing to do with anything. Yeah, and the kills aren't good. Kills are the bad. characters are boring. Like, there is nothing redeeming about this movie except for the random cuts to stock footage that exists that was shot for this film I mean, that is just weird i like, mean like i said you didn't watch the gypsy stuff and, the, and once again apologize for the term but that's the term they repeatedly use over and over and over well, again in here which is the backstory that oh here's where the killer came from and because they thought it was too confusing like anybody gives a shit um it's like i said this little softcore porn movie thrown for 20 25 minutes in the middle of this film and it's like what is happening right now uh, it tone changes the tone of the movie completely right at the end of the first act and before the second act you're like suddenly there's this insert and it's filmed in a sepia tone and you're like just, what is happening and it's so bizarrely inappropriate that it's kind of funny whatever you do don't watch this movie without a bunch of weed or a bunch of booze and a bunch of friends and a bunch of people who like this yeah, kind of stuff yeah. um so like we said there are three cuts on here there's two discs 
there's a bunch of, bo- uh, of course there is. bonus features it, with interviews with like everybody who was involved that's still around and was willing to talk to them. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, which what else do they have going on? Nothing, right? Um, weirdly, there was a Texas Frightmare Weekend Experience, which has a viewer participation supplement. I saw with, that. That was with, so weird. With the audience reaction to the film, com- uh, followed by a Q&A with the cast and director. Um, that just, what? Who? Somebody? Okay. There's like, I am a horror nut, but there are tiers of horror nuts. And these guys are on a different tier than me. I'm yeah. not saying I'm better. I'm just saying... It's a very different tier. We, it's almost like we both both don't like horror. Yeah, <laughs> there's two totally different genres. They care very much about this in a way that I will never experience, and I applaud them for that. Uh, there's 45 minutes of outtakes, silent outtakes. Did you did you watch them? No, of course not. <laughs> I barely made it through this movie. I was just like, "What is happening?" At least some of the other ones we've watched recently were like. Say what you will, it just keeps chugging God, you're along. you talk about rock, paper, scissors again, aren't you? No, that wasn't from Arrow, though. Okay. But I did enjoy it, <laughs> despite being terrible. Uh, yeah, okay, well, that's about enough about The Prey. If you, You're it's probably bad. somebody out there, if you like this movie, you're probably mad at us. And Which, sorry. Hey, you know what? We get it. If, if that's your thing, good for you. Go buy this. It's a great release. Well, so here's a thing to tell you guys about one little company, not so little, who has thoroughly fucked up in terms of re-releasing stuff on 4K lately, and that's Warner Brothers. They've repeatedly been putting out 4K releases of some of their classic catalog titles and have just made weird fucking mistakes time after time with them. Sometimes they're big glitches on the discs. Sometimes they're misinformation. In the new 4K Gremlins uh, 4K release, okay, I'll give it to them. It's decidedly the best version of this film that exists visually or audio, and it's fine. It's good quality. The film itself is great. What's weird is they literally just like three years ago re-released this thing on Blu-ray, which before that they hadn't put out since the very first year Blu-ray came out, with a whole new set of brand new bonus features, right? Filmed specifically for that edition that were pretty goddamn good. This edition advertises those features as being part of this. They're not. They're not on it. Uh, and it's like, what are you guys doing? This And this is like almost every release. Like the Blade Runner 4K set they put out left out a documentary about the making of it that they made for that edition. <laughs> that's advertised on it. And it's not on it. That's how lame their, their, their oh, releasing Warner department Brothers. has been. Uh, for the there's somebody who's in charge specifically of their catalog titles re-release pristine re-release department that needs to lose their job. Well, it's a quality control person. Yeah, something has gone terribly wrong. That's... But it's Gremlins, and you know it's I'm good. It's not I'm as good not as the, the sequel. But... I, I don't even know about that. I haven't seen the sequel in so long. I don't even have basis for comparison. You need to rewatch it. But it's amazing. I'm not the world's biggest Gremlins guy. I never have been. It's cute. I gotta admit, if like fuck, if somebody put that little weird what's his name Mowgli or some shit, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, what, it's Mowgli. Mogwai in front of me. No, no, I, no. He is a Mogwai. His name is Mowgli. No. What? No, that's not true. Come on, that can't be true. No, you, you be quiet. <laughs> Sorry, I had to tell. No, his name is Gizmo. Gizmo. Shit, I'm a bad nerd. I was like, what the hell? Mowgli is from the Jungle Book. 
<laughs> you're right. He is a mogwai. He's adorable. Name, and if I found Gizmo. one of those, I'd be like, oh, you're mine now. He is cute. He you're dresses, coming home with me. He dresses like Rambo and shoots a pencil bow and arrow yeah. in Gremlins 2. I, I, oh God. Watch Gremlins 2. It's amazing. Look, okay. I was I saw this movie partially because I was already in love with Phoebe Cates because she made my first pubic hair explode out of my groin and in Fast Times she, at Regular Richmond High. She had the High. most uh, depressing Christmas ever, and it's the best YouTube video you've ever seen. Okay. It's amazing. It, so, Which, by the way, that there's a yeah scene in here where I'd like, like, why does she hate Christmas? And she finally explains why she does. And it's this totally fucked up story in the middle of the movie. And you're like, why is this here? Because Joe Dante fought Spielberg, who was the producer. He was like, no, this scene explains the tone of the entire film, both being also very dark and very light. Spielberg's like, whatever, man. Joe like, Dante was do right. what you're doing. He was not right. It's an awkward as it's fuck It's an amazing sequence. scene. So look, okay. I will admit, I have never been the biggest Gremlins one fan. It is interesting. I like the creatures. I like the tone. I really like the villain. But... Who, Stripe? I, yeah, I like Stripe. He's fun. I like the mohawk when he's in the, like, <laughs> reptile form. But... It's a really slow build. It, it takes a lot of time to get going, and it's never been one that I've desperately loved. I've always been a far bigger fan of the zany, outlandish second one. And so, like, I appreciate this movie for what it is, but it's always... It's that movie that's it's better for what it becomes to me. And, like, it's decent. I like Gremlins. But I haven't watched it in I, like, I, I did rewatch it. I was like... I did, too. I was like, okay... Let's, okay. I, I I rewatched it not that long ago, and I was like, we did a, a horror Christmas because we always watch. We have a Christmas Day thing where we invite people over, and we're like, we're gonna watch Christmas horror films, and we watched that like I think a year or two ago, and I was like, this is not as good as like, I remember. Uh, it being. I think that Gremlins One has has some first act issues. The first act is super slow. Um, it's also very racist for the record against it, it Chinese is, people. It is very racist against Asian people, like every movie was was at the time today. yeah you can't you so, can't hold that to a higher yeah. standard than you do big like, trouble in old china or something you're right <laughs> yeah. no th this is worse uh no man no no it's not i take it back um <laughs> but like once it gets into the gremlins actually messing shit up the, the third act i really enjoy its third act and i agree because they go really gory with the gremlin gore that part has a lot of appeal to it, and it's fun because it's green goo getting thrown everywhere. But it's okay. It's okay. I. It's one of those movies. If someone puts it on, it, like if I'm at like a party, we're throwing a surprise movie. It's Gremlins. I'm not gonna leave. I'm now, gonna stay and watch it. If they put out a 4K of Gremlins too, I'll buy that shit outright. Oh boy, they probably wouldn't hold your breath. Quite I'm, frankly, I'm making you watch that. Did you realize soon. Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo? No. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that they hired anyone to do the voice of Gizmo. Yeah, they all there. And Frank Welker did Stripe, who was known as playing Fred in the Scooby-Doo films and Megatron and Soundwave and Transformers. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Very cool. And Nibbler on, uh, on <laughs> Futurama. Okay, that's cute. Yeah. Nibbler's amazing. Um, You know, like I said, this is... It is decidedly the best looking and sounding version of Gremlins that that's out there. I'd previously watched the the the, the previous Blu-ray, and it was always like this just looks a little cloudy. It's not. Yeah. It's it just felt like they didn't put a lot of work into it. And this version is like wow, this looks tremendous. So I this is decidedly the version. Problem is, if you were looking for all those sweet new bonus features they made for the last Blu-ray re release, they ain't here, despite what the package says. So kind of lame. 
Kind of lame. Yeah, kind of annoying. We're going to end with something that's also kind of lame and slightly annoying, which is the new Shaft movie. I... Oh, I know. I said that because I heard you say you liked it earlier. It's like... (laughs) I like this movie, okay? Like, it's... It's weird. It's fucking Tim Story. Come on. Tim Story? Yeah, I know, but... It's like, Tim Story is like, that's what he does is make movies that aren't that great. He's made a few. So, I mean, so, like, I like the first Barbershop that he did. I, I, he made the both movies. the Fantastic Four movies, which I don't hey, like. Th- there's one great shot in Fantastic Four one. Okay, so you're going to give him that. Yeah. And other than like, that, it's like all one been garbage. Great shot. Everything it's, else is garbage. It's all been garbage. Tim that... Story is a terrible fucking director. And this is not a terrible film. But it ain't good. So, like, here's the thing. I I really can't defend this movie terribly because it, you're right. It, it is a bad movie. But I had a lot of fun with it. So, like, the story is this 20 years later focusing on shafts. 20 years after the previous shaft okay. sort of sequel. I was curious if it really did track with the previous shaft No, no, shaft no, movie. yeah, because, like, the previous shaft film with Samuel Jackson taking over the role established that the previous shaft films with Richard Roundtree were canon, that he's okay. the original shaft, and Samuel Jackson is his son, Shaft Jr., and now you're like, okay, so this new guy who is not named Shaft no. is Samuel Jackson's son. Yeah, and so he is an analyst for the FBI who is basically a prototypical millennial, which they spend every single second of this movie making fun of. Uh, He has an incredibly beautiful, fierce female friend who he's desperately in love with. He has another friend who is a veteran who... Uh, Alexander Ship, by the way. He's gorgeous, yeah. Uh, who is i'm assuming you're talking about the actress yes yeah uh who is um, like i don't know it's usher playing hey, shaft jr by yeah, the, way. The, the friend is cute too like all three of them are pretty people uh i'm i'm not gonna be upset if you like him um by the way i said his name wasn't shaft it is his name is john shaft yeah john the shaft third jr. i guess so whatever yeah but um, the friend. I don't know. Is, was, was Richard Roundtree? Was God damn it! Shaft let me explain too, the plot. Right? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Because because uh, Wikipedia lists Richard Roundtree as John Shaft Senior. It lists Samuel Jackson as John Shaft, and J- Jesse Usher as John Shaft Junior. I'm like, that's not how this works. So, Samuel Jackson is John Shaft Junior, and Jesse Usher is John is John Shaft the Third. Whatever. So I'm just saying, the friend is a veteran who has started this organization to help veterans with PTSD, and he is also a recovering drug addict, shows up one day dead from an OD. Everybody assumes that he uh, OD because he was formerly a drug he was addict. Formerly a junkie. His the actual main character of John Shaft Jr. the third goes, yeah, that's not right, and goes to his deadbeat dad, John Shaft. Uh, in one of the greatest fucking introductions I've ever seen, where he meets his dad, uh, who has glitter all over his face because he's been eating on a stripper. And I was like, yeah. instantly that happened, and I kind of was with the movie. It, it's weird sense of humor. But he, they investigate the death of his friend and find out, of course, it leads to some shady shit and is basically a two-hour excuse to make millennial jokes, which... Yeah. <sighs> which get old super fast. It's all this like, like, like it felt like 
Samuel Jackson and Richard Roundtree wrote this film it, and are just like, what? Why are all you young people such oversensitive pussies? But should I liked be the, the little, jokes, you know. I was laughing the whole way through. Uh, the action was decent. Some of the jokes are not just bordering on offensive. No, but no, no. They are offensive, offensive humor. Yeah. Uh, like the action was fun. It, it's a decently shot, well acted movie. <laughs> Like, I, I can't really defend it. You're just I, walking on a razor blade. I thoroughly here. enjoyed it. Like, th- this is this is quintessential good-bad movie to me. You know, it's a bunch of people who legitimately tried to make a movie, and there's a lot of problems with it, but the fun that they had making the movie shines through. Like, I really enjoyed the banter between the three characters. Uh, there's a bit where the first time you see John Shaft Jr. the third uh, get into a gunfight, which you know it's going to happen because he's bitching about guns the whole movie. Of course, he's going to be a crack shot. Yeah. Uh, where you watch well, his friend see him as a sexual person for the first time. And I cracked up laughing. Like, was this is a funny movie. Kind of obvious. It, it, it I did like the one line where he's like, I said I don't like using guns. I didn't say I don't know how to oh, use guns. Like, it's I, like, he works for the FBI. Of course he knows how to use a there gun. There is not one second of this movie that you can't tell from the trailer. But it's still fun. I still liked it. Yeah. Really. I, I can't disagree with all the bad reviews. I, I didn't, they're right. I didn't hate I just it. Had I think, fun. I think at its worst, it's just me, thoroughly mediocre, occasionally it, offensive. But I will hand them that they were probably going, if it's not a little bit offensive, it's not a Shaft so, movie. Because there's kind of, black exploitation was always supposed to be kind of pushing that stuff. So, so here's so, the highest I, praise I can give this movie. And this is legitimately true. I, I, I think I saw the previous Samuel Jackson Staff movie. I enjoyed this movie enough that it, I'm probably going to go track down all the other Shaft movies and be like, okay, I, I kind of want to see this now. I want to experience Shaft. I felt shafted by it. I'm just saying. Come on, you're laughing at that? Don't do that. The, no, no. The, the, the worst joke in this movie is better than that I, I, joke. I'm laughing about how terrible that is. Uh, so there are some bonus features on here. There's uh, ten and a half minutes of Can You Dig It? The Making of Shaft, which is, you know, uh, Tim's story and all the people involved making like little funny comments about the film's development. A Complicated Man, The Shaft Legacy, which is in fact very much worth watching and maybe the best thing on this whole disc, and I'm talking about including the movie, which is a three-part mini-documentary which goes through the whole history of the Shaft franchise, which is an interesting topic. Yeah. And then two minutes, about three minutes of deleted scenes, which are actually, they're okay. It's like, they're worth watching if you like the movie. There's five-minute gag reel, which is, like most gag reels this day, just a mess that nobody paid much attention to. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious if my enjoyment of this movie comes from the fact that, like, the week prior, I saw My Name is Dolomite. And so I was very much like, yeah, I appreciate the cool, weird shit they had to go through to get this kind of black exploitation film made. So I, like, I don't know, maybe, whatever. It's good. Go watch it. Chris is wrong. <laughs> So, and honestly, the the guys who did the highly suspect reviews for us on the site, they all really liked it. I remember. Yeah. That, that's, I, I was really trepidatious Must be a going millennial into this thing. movie. Your millennials are like, we love movies that shit all over us. You know what? Everybody else shits on us. We might as well have fun with it. Fair. Well, that's it for Digital Noise. The only thing we have left to, to deal with here is what's the pick of the week? And I'm, Doom Patrol. I'm saying it's Doom Patrol, absolutely. Doom Patrol. And normally for a television release on Blu-ray, I'd be like, well, that affects that decision. 
but so few people actually have DC streaming. I know all these people who would not, if this had been on anything else, would have been watching it, no, like, but are like, I'm not going to pay for DC streaming. There ain't shit on there like, except like one show I want to see. And so now it's on Blu-ray. They can go pick it up. This is totally worth picking I, up. I, I was really tempted to make it um, Pan's Labyrinth, but legitimately, I, even if you don't like superheroes, just go see Doom Patrol. It is good enough for everyone absolutely unless you can't handle cuss words then you might want to well yeah it's and i it does the thing all three of the the dc streaming shows go which is like just so egregiously overuses motherfucker in it well it's it's like brendan fraser every other word brendan fraser says is is fuck fuck. yeah and i think the first 15 minutes is him as a human like just destroying his life yeah so it's like that it's there's some filmmaker I can't remember. It's like Richard Curtis. Every movie he makes, because he makes rom-coms that are R-rated movies, the first 15 minutes he puts as many fucks as he can. So he's like, look. So then he has no fucks left to give. Get used to it. It's, there's going to be a lot of fucking in this movie. 